have this opportunity to stand in this pulpit. Amen. Appreciate the confidence that Brother Reagan has in me. Amen. And uh, it means a lot to me. Amen. And uh, well, amen. I'm just thankful for everything that this church and Pastor and Sister Reagan have done for me and my family over the last year and a half or so. Amen. It means a lot to us. And as he said a couple of weeks ago, we are going to be moving along soon. Amen. Another week, week and a half or so. And I'm just thankful for everything that y'all have done for us. Amen. And we're not going to say goodbye. We don't believe in that. We're just going to say see you later. Amen. But uh, praise God. I'm just want to. I have told him privately, but I wanted to make sure I did it publicly. I'm very thankful for everything, amen, that Pastor Regan has done for, for us. Amen. We love this church very much. Praise God. Second Kings chapter 4 and verse number 17. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. He said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to a lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out, skipping to verse 25. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off. That he said to Gehazi his servant. Behold yonder is that Shunammite. Run now I pray thee to meet her. And say unto her is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered it is well. This read here a few verses before this that her child had died. She came to the man of God and simply said, It is well. And for a little bit tonight, that's simply what I want to preach. It is well. Praise God. Lift your hands, ask God to have his way in this house tonight. Lord, we love. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we need you in this place today, Jesus. Lord, have your way in this house, God. We need your touch today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, I love you. I magnify you, Jesus. God, I need you today. God, I need you today, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, you're wonderful, Jesus. You're wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. And you may be seated tonight. Amen. I, I don't want to try to put a downer on this service. Amen. I'm not trying to be negative, but I want to preach what the Lord put on my heart today. Amen, amen. I, I don't know what you brought came here with tonight, but... Amen. God is very interested in helping you. Amen. God's desire is to help you somehow. I don't know even who I'm talking to, but I believe that somebody carried something here tonight that God wants to give you some strength and God wants to help you. Amen. In your, in your life, in your walk with Him. Praise God. 
Praise God. If we go back to the book of Genesis, we read there about a man by the name of Joseph, that favored son of Jacob, mothered by Rachel. And Jacob had given to Joseph his coat of many colors. And we know that Joseph was a dreamer. He had dreams. And uh, and one day he dreamed that him and his brothers were in a field binding sheaves. And uh, and all of his brothers' sheaves bowed to his sheaves. And uh, and he had the dream, and it was a good dream. It was a dream that was sent from God. But, but I mean, Joseph, he felt like everybody needed to know about it. And so he went and told his brothers, and they didn't like what he had to tell them. Amen, since they was all older than him. And they were thinking, the elders were thinking, why in the world? Amen, in our culture, I'm never going to bow to you. It's going to be the other way around. Well, praise God. Another night he had a dream at the sun and the moon. There was 11 stars that bowed to another star that was Joseph. And uh, he told that, and his father jumped on his case that time. Amen, what do you say? That I'm going to bow down to you. Amen. But Joseph had these dreams, and, uh, and uh, there was something about the dreams. They weren't just like a dream. We have some dreams that they come, and they go, and they're gone. There doesn't nothing to them. We just ate something crazy before we went to bed. But these weren't dreams that were born out of eating two pizzas before he went to bed. Amen. But God sent these dreams to him uh, as a young man, and uh, it was something that he could hang on to. Because Joseph's life was fixing to change drastically. Right now, he is the favored son. He's that pet, if you would, of his father. Uh, He's got everything he needs and to spare. There's nothing that he lacks for. He has a very privileged life. And so one day, his father sends him to check on his brothers and see how things are going out where the flock is. Uh, Amen. But what his brothers saw was an opportunity to remove a pest from their life. And so they took him, they took that coat off of him, and they threw him into a pit. Amen. They take his coat, they cover it in blood. Amen. And and they took it to their father and said, hey, this is all we found. And Jacob is heartbroken. The loss of his son, the reality is, is that they had pulled Joseph up out of that pit when some strangers came by and they sold him. Think about that for a bit. Amen. Any one of us that have siblings, we probably had some disputes with them. Amen. If you've always gotten along with yours and never had an argument, I don't know what kind of world you live in. Praise God, but you didn't live in mine. I've only got one sibling, my sister. Amen. And we always got along good most of the time, but there were some other times. Amen. There were some other times that we had some some disagreements and she would get violent with me she's two years older than me and uh, and I remember one time she's talking on the phone to a boy and so and that was back before cell phones and she was upstairs talking on the phone in my parents bedroom so I went downstairs and 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 was helping her out in her conversation on the other line and uh and uh, she's yelling at me, get off the phone, but I was having fun. And so she left that phone and came downstairs, and, and I ran away from her. And while she's hanging that one up, I ran upstairs and hung that one up too. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I went downhill from there. But, and, uh, and, 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 and it ended up with me with a broom, and uh, I was mad then. And, uh, and I was chasing her, and so she ran in the bathroom and shut the door, and I shoved the broom right through the door. Hallelujah, it's a hollow door. 
and uh, found that out the hard way. And, and our fight was over real quick because we knew we was both dead meat when mom and dad got home. But uh, we, we had some disagreements. But never one time did I ever consider selling my sister as a slave. There were some other things I thought of, but that wasn't one of them. Praise God. And, uh, and, uh, but they sold him. And, and he goes, they take him to Egypt, and there they sell him to this man that we know as Potiphar. And, uh, and he did well in the house of Potiphar. There was something about Joseph that even in this deplorable situation that he found himself in, even there he was still a man of integrity. He was a man uh, that still loved God. He was a man that still served God. And, uh, and he did the very best that he could working for his master. And he finally works his way to the head of Potiphar's household. Uh, amen. But his problems were not over. They were just beginning. Because Potiphar had a wife that looked upon Joseph and desired him uh, and came on to him over and over. And finally one day as he was doing his duties, he found himself alone uh, in the house with her and she grabs a hold of him uh, and he shrugs out of his coat uh, and runs out of the house keeping his integrity intact. But now she wasn't very happy. She was mad and she began screaming and wailing and crying and said that he tried to come and force himself upon her. And Potiphar's mad as anybody would be. Let me tell you something. If I heard that from my wife, I'd be pretty upset. Amen. And I don't know if I'd use fists. I might use lead instead. But there was really something coming your direction. Amen. But, but Potiphar just took him and threw him in prison and took the key and threw the key away. Because Joseph was there until Potiphar decided he wanted him back out. And I'm just telling you, that wasn't ever going to happen. Well, this is the privileged son. You remember the one that was dreaming about his brothers bowing to him and his father bowing to him. Now he's in prison. A just person, a man that has done nothing wrong. He has lived a life of integrity. And now he's in prison. But even there, Joseph found favor with the keeper of the prison and became a, a person of responsibility in the prison. And this rocked on for years. We're talking several years since his brother has sold him as a slave. And, uh, and finally, one day, a couple privileged prisoners came in. Pharaoh got upset with his butler and his baker, and he threw them into the same prison. And one night, these, both of these men had dreams. And, uh, and as Joseph went about doing his duties, he noticed there's trouble. Uh, these men are upset, and he said, what is wrong? Uh, and they said, we have dreamed dreams, and we cannot figure out the meaning of them. And so he said, well, tell me, we're dreams. All interpretation comes from the Lord. Butler said, well, I dreamed that there were three vines, and from those three vines I took grapes, and I pressed them uh, into Pharaoh's cup and served him. Joseph said, well, what your dream means is that in three days you will be restored once again to your position where you will be serving Pharaoh again. And he said, would you please remember me when you get out? And that guy looks at him and said, I'll never forget you. You're the one that came and interpreted my dream and gave me this good news. I will never forget you. The baker, I can picture him thinking, man, that's awesome. That's good news. Hey man, he said, well, what is your dream? He said, I had dreamed that I had three baskets on my head full of bread meats and birds came and ate them out of the baskets. Joseph's like, well, <clears throat> uh, 
about that. Um, what your dream means is that in three days, your head's going to be lifted from your shoulders, and you're going to be hung out for the birds to eat. Well, that's a downer. Three days later, the butler's restored. The baker loses his life. The butler gets out, goes back to Pharaoh's house, and forgets that he ever heard of Joseph. For two years, Joseph is still sitting in the prison. Every day thinking, imagine the very at the beginning, he's thinking every day that this is going to be the day, this is going to be the day, this is going to be the day, this is the, maybe this week, maybe, maybe next month. Two years. And then Pharaoh has a dream. And he's troubled. He dreamed of seven fat, healthy cows. And then he saw seven weak and skinny, scrawny-looking things. That they came and ate those fat, healthy ones. And they were unchanged. They were still skinny. And then he dreamed of seven nice ears of corn, full and big. And then seven thin ears came up and ate them. And he knew there was something significant in that, but he could not figure it out. He called for his wise men, his magicians. Nothing. Nobody could give him an interpretation. And all of a sudden, the butler's like, oh, oh yeah. You know, two years ago, I was in prison. You got mad at me, and I was in prison, and, and um, I had a dream, and this man came and told me my dream. And um, they went to the prison, and they got Joseph. They took him out. They bathed him. They put a new garment upon him, and uh, they brought him before Pharaoh, and he told them the dreams were one and the same, that there would be seven years of plenty in the land followed by seven years of famine. And what he needed to do was in that time period that he needed to place a man to gather in the seven years of plenty that they would survive the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh looks at this man, Joseph, and says, I see such a man. And he puts Joseph as second in the kingdom. The only one with more authority than Joseph was Pharaoh himself. Some 13 years approximately from the day he was sold. 13 years of being a slave and a prisoner. And now he is second in command. Those years of plenty come along and Joseph gathered so much grain that they could not even keep track of how much it was. They could not count it. Just bear with me. We're going somewhere with this. And then after those seven years, so we're talking 20 years now. 20 years. Then the famine comes on the land and it's a hard famine but Egypt is doing good because they had some they had all that grain stored up all that food put together and that famine was there and it was hard on the entire area the entire region and uh, and it was bad it was grievous it was hard living and so one day some men came up, uh, amen from a foreign country to get some food because they've heard uh, there's some grain in Egypt and as this Egyptian ruler looks at them, all they see is an Egyptian. But what he sees is some brothers that sold him as a slave. Amen. Joseph accuses them of being spies. And he says, how many are you? And he, they said, well, we were 12 brothers. One is dead, and uh, the youngest is with our father. He said, I don't believe you. Uh, and the only way that I will believe you is for you to bring your youngest brother and prove it. He locked him up for three days, let him get a little taste of what he had. And then Simeon stayed behind. He kept him, sent the other ones home to get Benjamin. Amen. Joseph filled their bags with corn when they were leaving and snuck their money bags back into their bags of grain. 
Amen. They got home and that scared them to death. And Jacob said, there is no way in the world that I'm letting Benjamin go. Joseph's already gone. He's the last thing I have from his mother. There's no way in the world he is going. Amen. I've lost him. I've lost Simeon. But I'm not going to lose Benjamin. But one day came along and he's like, let's get some food. And they said, we don't have any, Father. He's like, well, you guys got to go get some more in Egypt. He said, we can't go without Benjamin. He said, well, I'm not letting you take Benjamin. And we can't go without Benjamin. Well. So finally he relents and Benjamin goes. They took double the money to repay what they hadn't got the first time. And, uh, and they were brought there to the house of Joseph. And uh, I want you to picture this. Here this guy. They don't know. They don't have a clue who this guy is. But he invites them to his house for supper. And when they sit down in their arranged seats, he seats them from oldest to youngest. Now, I don't know when they clued into that, but it had to feel pretty weird. And then when the food comes out, Benjamin gets five times the amount of food that they got. And now, I'm telling you, they had to be very, very nervous. He fills their bags with corn and he returns their money again, but this time has them hide his silver cup in the bag of Benjamin. And, the, and then they left, and then he sent his servant after him. They said, hey, there's no way that we got it. You can check our bags. Hey, man, blah, 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 blah. You read the story for yourself in Genesis 40, 44. And, uh, and, and, and it, finally they came, they searched the bags, and there this cup is in the bag of Benjamin. And now they're scared to death because they promised their dad that no matter what, they would bring him back. And now he's got this cup of this Egyptian ruler in his grain bag. Things aren't looking good. And they come back. Joseph, they're in the presence of Joseph. And I'm telling you, by now, they've probably bowed just more than once to him. Okay, he's the big, powerful Egyptian ruler. They've, they've bowed to him a couple times. In Genesis 45 and 1, this is where I've been trying to get this whole time. Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, they have got to be worried right now. Because now this guy's crying. And they're thinking, man, that cup must have really meant a lot to him if he's crying like that. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. And just like that, they really got nervous. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Uh-huh. And Joseph said unto his brother, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother. In case you forgot, whom ye sold into Egypt. Just a reminder. Now they're scared. They're thinking, man, I'll never see my kids again. I'll never see my wife again. Never going to see dad again. This, this, I'm, it's over. They're thinking back to that day they threw him in the pit. Reuben's thinking, man, why did I get there quicker? Because I was going to let him go. And they sold him before I could get back. And boy, they're getting, ready to have a, they're getting ready to have a brotherly spat again. 
Well, then he said, now, therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. He looked at them. They're scared. They're pale. They're wondering what he's going to do to them. He reminds them, you sold me as a slave. But he said, but I want you to know something. It wasn't you that did it. It was God that let it happen that I could come here and save your lives by a great deliverance. Well, praise God. What he was telling them is, hey, I didn't enjoy being a slave, and I may not have enjoyed being a prisoner, but I want to let you know it is well with me. It's okay, because God had a purpose, and God had a reason. Hallelujah. There are some times we go through trials, and go through heartaches, and we go through misery, and it makes no sense to us. But let me tell you, God is trying to take you somewhere. God has a plan and it's time to let him know that it is well with my soul hallelujah doesn't make sense when we're climbing up that mountain it doesn't make sense when we're hurting and our heart is broken but I'm telling you God is trying to do something God is trying to prepare us God is trying to take us to that place where he can use us as he will hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's another man. Amen. In the timeline of time, his life was somewhere in the timeline of the book of Genesis. We know him as Job. Amen. He lived way back yonder in old times. The Bible said he was a perfect and an upright man. He feared God and eschewed evil. Amen. He was a good man, a man that loved God, a man that lived for God, who did the very best that he could to live his life the best that he could. He was also a very wealthy man. The Bible says he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses in a very great household. One day the sons of God came to present themselves unto, unto the Lord, and Satan came among them. In Job chapter 1, and, and God looked at the devil, if you would, Satan, said, have you considered my servant Job? Job is very innocent. Job's loving God. Job's living for God. Job's still perfect and upright. He's still eschewing evil. God looks at Satan and says, have you considered my servant Job? In Job chapter 1 verse 9, then Satan answered the Lord and said to Job, fear God for naught. Is he serving you for nothing? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance has increased in the land. He said, you protected him. I can't do anything to Job. Yeah, I've thought about him, but he serves you for a reason and you, you put a hedge about him. I can't get to him. 
But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. God looks at him and says, go ahead, but don't touch his body. And Satan's like, woohoo! So in one day, I, I always picture Job on his porch. I don't even know if he had one, but that's where I picture him. In a rocking chair with a cup of coffee. In the cool of the morning. Before the day's begun. And he's sitting there and all of a sudden he sees a servant running towards him. And this servant came and said, the Sabians came. They've taken all of your oxen and your asses and they've killed everybody. And I'm the only one that's escaped. And he's like, whoo. Oh boy, okay. We can handle that. But while he's talking to him, here comes another dust cloud as another servant comes running up. He says, Job, the fire fell from heaven and consumed all your sheep and everybody that was there except me. I alone escaped to tell you. Well, that's, that's, that's not good, but I still have my camera. Until that other one comes running up. He says, man, Job, the Chaldeans came. They took your camels and they killed all your servants except me. He's like, well. There it is when all my, that's everything. That's all my wealth. That's all my livelihood. It's all gone. But he wasn't the last servant. Because one more came and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking. Having a party in a house and the wind came and blew the house down and they are dead. Well, that it's what I would call a bad day. He's lost all his means of living and then his children in a matter of minutes. But in verse number 20 of Job chapter 1, it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, he's took everything, but he had given me everything anyways. I came in this world naked. I'm going to go out of it with nothing. Blessed be his name. That was not what Satan thought would happen. And so in Job chapter 2, he comes back again. And the Lord looks at him and says, Have you considered my servant Job? This is Job 2 and 3. Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth. A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yet all that a man hath will he give for his life. You've just taken his stuff. Now you touch his body. You touch his life. His physical body. Amen. It's going to be a different story. But forth forth thine hand and touch his bone, his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. And all of a sudden, Job is covered head to toe in boils. You find him sitting and scraping himself with the potsherd. Scratching, trying to find some kind of relief. He's miserable. I've never had one pray. I never do. They, I've heard they're miserable. And here he is covered in them. He's absolutely miserable. His wife comes to encourage him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? But he said unto her in verse 10, 
Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil or not something that's not good? He's not talking about evil as far as sin or something. He's talking about something that's not good. In all this, did not Job sin with his lips? He refused to charge God foolishly. Okay? He's miserable. He's lost everything. He's lost his children. He's hurting inside, but he's also hurting outside now. He's covered in boils, and he's in misery. And then he had some friends that came to encourage him. And they sat in there, they sat there with him, and they saw that he was in turmoil, and they saw he was in agony. And so for seven days, they didn't say anything. is telling you about seven minutes and I'd have been whooping all three of them. And say something or get lost. You ain't going to sit here staring at me in my misery and not say something. But then when they did start to open their mouth, they probably wished they'd have sat for seven more days without saying anything. Because they begin to say, well, it's because you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that, you did this. They're trying to think of everything that he did wrong to be where he was. And I'm telling you, Job had done nothing wrong. Well, praise God. I understand that he got a bad attitude and had to repent by the end of the book, okay? But to this point, Job had done nothing. He was stuck in the middle of a battle between heaven and hell. Well, praise God. They began to accuse him, but Job's trust was still in God. Job 13 and 14, Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in mine hand, though he slay me? Yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for a hypocrite shall not come before him. He said he can take this whole body, he can kill me, but I will still trust in him. Job chapter 23. Amen. A verse of scripture that I tell you, I have read it, I have quoted it, uh, I have clung to it. Uh, amen. It's something that has meant a lot to me in my life. Uh, in Job 23 and 8, he said, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. He is talking about God. He is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. I'm in the worst trial of my life, but I can't find God anywhere. I can't find him in front or behind, to the left or to the right. I can't feel him. I can't find him. Then he said, but he knoweth. He knoweth the way that I take. I don't know the way I'm on right now. I don't recognize this path. I don't know where I'm going, but he knows the way that I take. I shall come forth as gold. He was going through that trying fire, but he said, I'm going to come out as gold. Why? Because God knows the way that I take. God knows where he's taking me. I don't understand anything, but he knows where I'm going. 
Hallelujah. Amen. He didn't have any direction in life. He didn't understand what was going on. But he understood who did. He understood who knew where he was headed. What road he was on. And he said, I will yet trust in him. He can kill me. I still trust in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I come out of this, I'll be as gold. Amen. Gold tried in the fire. Gold that is pure. Amen. Gold that is not dirty, but that pure gold. I believe in my interpretation tonight. Amen. That what he was saying is that I don't understand this, God, but it is well. I don't know where I'm going, but that's okay because you do. And my trust is in you. Hallelujah, we may not understand tonight why we're going through what we're going through or what we're feeling or why we're hurting, but put your trust in the Lord. Amen, he'll direct your path. He'll direct your steps. Amen, you may not know the way that you take, but he knows it. And when you come forth, you'll come forth as gold. as well well how did it turn out well at the end of the chapter or the end of the book amen we find that God restored everything that Job lost but he doubled it in the process he had twice as much possessions and seven more sons and three more daughters all because Job had an attitude of it as well it is well it is well it is well. I don't feel good. I'm hurting and I'm broken. But I'm not going to charge God foolishly. I'm not going to hold it against God. It's not his fault. Amen. It's not his fault. He knows the way that he's taken me. He knows why I've got to go this way. He knows what I'm going to face in the future. And he knows what I need right now. And when I come out of this, I'll come forth as gold. This Shunammite woman, amen, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful person she was. Elisha would often come by that way, and he would stop by their house to eat bread. And she perceived, the Bible says, that he was a holy man. And so one day she approached her husband about building him a chamber of his own in their house, amen, that he could find rest and get some strength and have a quiet place of his own when he came by. And so they prepared this place for him. And uh, one day as he laid upon that bed, he, he sent Gehazi and he said, well, go ask her what she wants. Go ask her why she's done this, what she's looking for. And she said, I, I don't, I'm not doing it for anything. There's no reason. I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not looking for a favor. I'm not looking for you to talk to someone big for me. I'm not looking for any of that. But in Gehazi and her questioning, he found out that she was childless. She was barren, and her husband was old. And so Elisha looked at her and said, You will have a son in a certain season. And she didn't believe it, told him not to lie to her. And Elisha said, It's going to happen. 
And in the season that Elisha said, she had a son. Amen. God performing a miracle on her behalf because of the way that she treated and took care of the man of God. Amen. There's a blessing in that. Amen. That's not in my message, but I'm telling you, there's a blessing in taking care of the man of God. Hallelujah. And then that day came that we read about in our text. He's out in the field with his father. And his head begins to hurt to the point that he has one of his young servants take him and carry him to his wife. And there she lays her son in her lap. And as he lays there, amen, time comes and he finally passes on and dies laying in her lap. And so she picks this child up, uh, her only child, this miracle child, uh, amen, this promise from God, if you would. And, uh, and she picks this child up and she goes to that chamber uh, and lays him down on the bed of the man of God. He is dead. There's no breath in him. There's no life in him. Uh, and she lays him on this bed. She goes and tells her husband that she is going to go speak to the man of God. And she told her husband, it shall be well. It shall be well. It's going to be okay. Right now, not so good. But it's going to be all right. It shall be well. It shall be well. Right now you're in the field. My son's dead on the man of God's bed, but it shall be well. It's going to be all right. And so she gets a servant to take her and she said, hey, don't look, don't look at me. Just get this thing there. I don't care how crazy you got to drive. I don't care how fast you get this thing, how rough the ride is. Get me to Elisha. And Elisha sees her coming. And he sends Gehazi to her. Told him to ask, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she said, it is well. She told her husband, it shall be well. But when she got there, she said, it is well. She comes in. She falls down and grabs Elisha's feet. Gehazi didn't like that. He tried to get her away and he said, leave her alone. Her soul is vexed and God has not revealed to me why. Elisha's sitting there. Here she is, heartbroken. Uh, she's grieving it uh, and she's crying out. Uh, and he didn't know what was going on. Now I'm going to give you a little side note right here. I had a situation a year and a half ago where I left the church and one of the things that I was accused of was not knowing what was going on and was told that if I would have prayed, I would have known certain situations. Now I'm just going to tell you folks, it don't matter how much you pray, there's some things that God's just not going to show the man of God. There's just sometimes he doesn't know what's going on and it takes you picking up a phone and letting him know that he can pray about it. Hallelujah. You don't sit there and think, well, surely God's going to tell him. Well, God sometimes does, but God doesn't always do it. Amen. There were so many notable miracles in the life of Elisha. Amen. But this day, he had no idea what was happening. God had hidden it from him. 
That's why the Bible still says, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Amen. That's in the word of God. If you're not well, give the man of God a call that he can come pray for you. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Elisha sits there. Amen. And she said, did I not desire a son? Did I not tell you to not deceive me? looks at Gehazi and says, I want you to run straight to that woman's house, straight to that bed. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. You go straight there and touch him with my staff and see what happens and come tell me. And nothing happened. Elisha gets there. He goes in the chamber. And here's a dead child laying there. I don't know about you. But the saying is, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Well, there wasn't no breath in this boy. He was dead. Well, but Elisha goes in this room alone. He shuts the door and he begins to pray. And he stretches himself over the child, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, stretching his body over the child. And the child began to grow warm. And he did it again. And, and finally this child sneezes seven times and opened his eyes. And he looks at that woman and said, Take your son. And all was well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, you may not know what's going on uh, when that tragedy takes place, uh, but if somehow we can find it in ourselves uh, to say it shall be well, it's going to be okay. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work, uh, but it shall, it shall, it shall be well. My confidence is in God. My trust is in Him. It shall be well. I can't see it right now because of the tears. I can't see it. I can't feel it. But it shall be well. It shall be well. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I've got confidence that God worked it out one time. He'll do it again. It shall be well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would say there's been in every one of our lives, and maybe even right now, there is in yours. Amen. Something that just doesn't make sense. Just doesn't make sense. It wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't part of the dream. Amen. But life takes place, and all of a sudden the dream is gone. And we don't understand why. And we don't understand what happened. Amen. And our heart is broken. And our mind is spinning in every direction. But I want to tell you tonight, if somewhere deep down inside, you can find it in yourself to say, God, I may not understand it. I may not know why. I'm going to tell you it shall be well. It's going to be all right. It's going to be well in my soul. It's going to be all right with me, God. I'll still trust in you. I'll still walk with you. I'll still lean on you. I'm still going to love you.
Hallelujah. Mm. Some battles just don't always make sense. Some fights don't don't make sense. Amen. There's been some little spats I've gotten into. Hey, man, some of them ones with my sister, they just really didn't make sense. Everything be rolling along perfectly good, and in 30 seconds we're in a full-blown knockdown, drag out, tear the house apart fight. Amen. Made no sense at the time. Didn't make any sense when it was over. But it happened. And sometimes in our walk, there's things that come along out of nowhere that don't make sense because we've got it all lined out. We've got it all planned out. This is going to take place to make this take a place, and then this is going to fall in place here, and this will fall in place here. And, th- and then all of a sudden, number two doesn't happen. And it blows everything out of kilter, and nothing all of a sudden is working out. And we sit there staggered by it, uh, and we're rattled by it. Uh, amen. If we don't stop it and, and think about it, we can let ourselves uh, be drugged down and affected by what we are hearing and what we are living in. We can begin to be consumed with the situation that we are facing. But somehow, we've got to find it in ourselves. Say, Lord, I just want you to know that it is well. It is well. It is well. There's fighting on every hand. <laughs> There's fighting everywhere. I'm distressed, perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I don't know what's going on, Lord, but I want you to know it. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. There was a man that was a lawyer in the city of Chicago. Single man, very successful man. A man well sought after by the single ladies of his age group in society. Finally met a lady named Anna. She became his wife and there they Happily lived together on the outskirts of Chicago. They had four little girls named Annie, Maggie, Bessie, and Tanetta. And uh, Horatio Gates Spafford was his name. He had purchased a, a large piece of property in Lake Michigan as an investment. And uh, he went away one day on a business trip in the fall of 1871. And on this trip was when disaster struck. The great Chicago fire of 1871 destroyed, devastated this city. And um, he was actually quite instrumental in helping folks in this fire, rescuing people. And he makes it home to his family. He finds that his family was protected and everything was okay. His law office had been completely destroyed. But the biggest, biggest thing that affected him in this whole deal was this investment property that he had because development had gone out the door because everybody was rebuilding what had already been. And so financially, he was in a very difficult time. He was struggling along, very stressful. And somewhere along the line, decided it was time to take a family vacation. He bought passage on a ship 
called the SS Ville de I can't speak French, Havre or something like that. It was a luxury liner of the day. Just as they were to board the ship, just, just before they were to leave, an opportunity arose to get rid of his property, to sell it. And so he sent his wife and his daughters on this ship with some neighbors, some friends of theirs. And he was going to catch another ship right behind them and join them. And um, he took them and put them in the front part of the ship and they left. And of course, in those days, there was no real good ways of communication. And so no news was coming. On December the 1st of 1873, he received a telegram that simply said, Saved alone and was signed Anna. He was devastated. Him, his neighbor who had stayed behind, they, his neighbor had lost his entire family. Together they got on a ship. So what had happened is two ships had collided and this ship that their families were on sunk in 12 minutes. And though many rescue attempts were made, his daughters drowned. This other man's entire family lost their lives. And as they are on this ship headed over across the sea, the ship's captain calls for them, the two men, to come. And he told them that as near as he could figure, they were directly over the spot where the ship had gone down. Two men left this cabin and they went their separate ways. Horatio Gates went to the bow of the ship. And looking down over the side of the ship, looking down this gray, cold, watery grave of his girls. Say he pulled out a pen, a pen and a piece of paper. Began to pen the words, When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, the pain shall be mine for in death as in life. Thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. Hurting and broken, devastated. He said, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. You'd stand with me tonight. Tonight, if there's something in your life that has you hurting and has you broken, maybe you don't understand it. Maybe it's got you confused. It's got you hurting. 
Amen. You just don't get why you're going through what you're going through. You don't understand the trial. You don't understand the heartache and the hurt. Amen. You don't understand your lot in life. I want you to know today that you can stand with assurance and know that He knows the way that you take. He knows where you are. He knows where He's trying to take you to. And whatever your lot, can you somewhere in your heart tonight find that place where you can say it is well with my soul it is well with my soul amen the pain's still here the heartache is still here that confusion's still here but God I want you to know it is well it is well it is well it is well with my soul it is well it is well Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, with assurance today, you can know. You can take it to the bank that he knows right where you are right now. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're battling with. He knows your struggles. Amen. He knows your strengths. He knows your struggles. He knows your weaknesses. He knows where you are right now. But he's left it up to us tonight to let him know that it is well with my soul. That it is well with my soul. Just 16 months ago, I went through one of the most devastating experiences of my life. But I want you to know it is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. I may never understand it. I may never know why. I may never know the ins and the outs of what happened and why it happened and for what reason it happened. But I want God to know that it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, wherever he wants to take me, whatever road I have to walk down, it is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. I want to tell you whatever road he's chose for you to walk on. Whatever pathway your feet are trotting on tonight. Can you say to him today that it is well. It is well. It is well. I know that you're in control. I know that you're directing my steps. I know the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I know that you know the way that I take. Even though I can't feel you, I can't find you, I can't touch you. I know, God, that you're in control and my trust is in you. So I'm just going to keep walking because you know the way that I take. And you know where I'm going. So I'll just keep walking. I'll keep trusting you. I want you to know it is well with me. It is well, it is well, it is well. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Is it well with you tonight? Is it well? 
Amen. If you're looking at yourself tonight and you say, no, it's not, can you say, as that Shunammite did, that it shall be well? Right now, it's not very good, but it shall be well. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Amen. Maybe I've drifted from where I should be, but tonight I'm putting my hand back in the hand of the master. Today I'm going to put my life back in his control. I'm going to let him take back over again. And I know it shall be well. I'm going to give up the control. I'll give up that uh, the controls of my life. I'll let him begin to direct me and guide me that it'll be well with me. Because it shall. It shall be well. It shall be well. If you'd like to come and talk to the Lord, amen, this altar's open tonight. If you'd like to come and seek him, talk to him. Amen. I want to tell you, He understands your hurts. He understands your pain. He understands that confusion. He understands those hurts that are so deep down inside. Amen. Maybe you think you've got them hidden, but I'm telling you, they're still there. But God, tonight in this place, He wants to reach down and bind up that broken heart. He wants to bind those wounds up. He wants to make it well with you. Won't you come and talk to Him? Won't you cry out to Him? Won't you come and seek Him? It is going to be all right. It is well. It is well. My babies are under the ocean. They're buried down there. But whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well. It is well.